0: Uh, we got some fun people in this room, and, um, you know, yes you are. (laughs) There's no doubt about that, Um, but I'm so grateful for y'all's participation. So, uh, with that being said, let's just jump right in. Let's take a quick look again at verse 5 from last week. What everything that's in our passage today flows out of verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. You all, I think that all of us, myself included, expect far too little from our God. Let me ask you this, if you've been a Christian for a long time, haven't you had seasons in your life where things happen where all of a sudden you realized that God was way better than you ever thought he was? And you already knew he was good, right? You already knew, he loves me, you already knew he answered prayer, he had already answered some of your prayers, but you just had this revelation from him as you walk with him that he is infinitely better. Then you realized last week. As we walk with God, that should be the type of thing that happens from time to time, over the years. You all, we expect far too little from our great God. You all, we pray far too little. We don't pray often enough. We don't pray as earnestly as we should. We don't pray as fervently or as zealously as we should. Truth is, when you're in a pinch, it's easier to pray, right? That's true for us, and I believe that was true for them. James, who'd been one of Jesus' closest disciples, had been murdered by Herod. The same thing was about to happen to Peter. The church was already grieving the loss of one of their leaders. And now they're pretty certain that this other leader that they love so dearly is going to be murdered by Herod also. So earnest prayer for Peter was made to God by the church. I want to note the prayers of God's people upset one of the most powerful men in Judea. The prayers of the church upset one of the most powerful groups of people in Judea. When we pray for the things of God, the enemies of God are not going to be okay with that when God starts showing up. We live in a wicked world. We have many wicked people ruling over us. And there's many giant, powerful, well-funded groups of people who oppose us. Will our prayers upset them? Will we pray prayers? that turn their agenda upside down church when we pray god's kingdom come we're asking his rule and his authority to expand throughout the creation right yes. and if god's rule and authority is expanding then what's happening to theirs yes it's decreasing it's diminishing you all, our God is in the slow, long process of making all things new. If you were in Christ, he has made you new already, but he's not completely done with you yet. There's more newness he's going to bring. But this is just part of him redeeming all of creation and making all the th- wrong things right. Church, we are to be earnest in our prayers. And when we pray earnestly, and when God moves in response to our prayers, do you believe that God moves in response to what you pray? When, when, when God moves in response to our prayers, powerful people and powerful groups are going to be very upset. I've told some of you this story already. I was on the phone Tuesday night with a dear friend. He's one of the men who will be speaking at the abolition conference. Um, his wife was 39 and a half weeks pregnant. So if you, need to do, if you don't know the math, that means she's nine months and it's their fourth kid. They'd had complications with the previous two. It was really important to, to Dave and his wife Lauren to have this baby naturally. It's something they desperately wanted. But the doctors had kind of made them schedule a C-section for Thursday morning. And that's not what they wanted. Would they have been fine if that would have happened? Abs- you know, probably. Yep. Dave asked me and another friend who was on the phone with us, Can y'all please pray? that we wouldn't have to get that C-section. This was 9 o'clock Tuesday night. So we just prayed. We just went for it. And uh, uh, my first time on Facebook, Wednesday morning, there's a picture of him holding his son. <laughs> Less than eight hours later, you all. <laughs> I think that should be more normal. And there's reasons why it's not. We don't, I wish I, I've spoken to this in the past a lot. You all, we should expect that more often. We should pray, expecting God to answer, and expecting God to answer soon. Alright, so, verse 6. You all, the situation is bad. Look where Peter is. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on the very night before Herod was going to bring him out, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Y'all, it's the last minute. Earnest prayer causes us to pray up to the last minute, you all. We pray and we don't stop praying. We ask God, then we ask Him again. And if we hadn't done what we've asked Him to do yet, Plan C is the same as plan A and B. We ask him again. And that's one way that we pray fervently, and we do that up until the end. So he's chained to two guards on each side of him. There's other guards after them, and then there's this big iron gate. The situation doesn't look good. Do you all have a hard time praying when things are looking bad? True and earnest prayer praise even when it looks impossible you all we must pray even when things look impossible do you want or need something different but you can't figure out how it will ever happen you pray and you ask god for that thing that you want or that thing that you need and you ask him over and over and over again until it happens church That is what earnest prayer does. When things are bad, when it doesn't look like there's any way out, when it doesn't look like there's any way that we can do anything differently, we pray, and we pray earnestly. We pray when things are bad. Earnest and intentional prayer is prayer that cries out to God when things are impossible. Earnest prayer is prayer that acknowledges all things are possible. Do we believe that? You all, this church called a prayer meeting. We've got a monthly prayer meeting built into the life of our church. We're praying on Sunday morning together. You know, I was praying long prayers for others before the sermon or before the Bible discussion in there. It it, From best we can tell, me and Joe, we kind of feel like we're going to be transitioning that time to after the sermon and to before we take the Lord's Supper. But we've got intentional times of prayer built in into our schedule. So some prayer is planned because we want to plan what's most important, right? But we also want to note that there is prayer that is spontaneous. As needs arise, as things cross your mind, we pray. And you all, in this passage, there is a prayer meeting, and we need more. And because prayer should be planned, and because prayer is also spontaneous very, very often, there's a need to build some structure and some discipline into how we pray. Routine is helpful, right? Don't you make it a routine to do the things that are most important? If I go 24 hours without brushing my teeth, my wife's going to tell me about it, y'all. <laughs> right? She likes to kiss me, and I like to kiss her. And we kiss often. And I better keep my teeth clean. I better, you know? So, so that's important. So I've built into my routine... To brush my teeth twice a day. Sometimes I only do it once, but I usually do it twice. You all, routine is good. A plan is good. You all, the schedule is good. And if you don't believe me, don't show up to work on time every day this week and see what happens to you. So I want to submit this idea to you that we need some systems or routines to help us pray well. That's what the prayer guide is that I issue monthly. That's what our monthly prayer meeting is. That's what this time every Sunday morning is. I told you the story last week of the disciples in the garden before Jesus was arrested. And they got there to the garden. Jesus understood that he was about to be arrested and would be executed as a criminal. Well, they got to the garden, and Jesus said, Y'all go over there and pray that you would not enter into temptation. And then Jesus went over to the other side. And we know the story. The disciples got sleepy. While they were sleepy, Jesus was praying earnestly. Such earnest, intense prayers that his sweat became blood. And there's actually a medical condition where that happens. We know about it today. There's a name for it. There's a condition where that happens as an indicator of, of stress on your body. There's a real name for it. I, I can't pronounce it. I'm not going to try to. But listen, we're more like the disciples than we are Jesus, aren't we? I get sleepy sometimes when I pray. I get distracted sometimes when I pray. It is hard to stay alert And sometimes it's even hard to remember what we're praying about, isn't it? You all, we need to be people who know and understand the will of God and pray accordingly. We need to be people who do not let emotion or circumstances rule over us. But we make our emotions bend the knee to us and to the truth of God in us. That involves us saying no to things that are really clinging and pulling at us, doesn't it? We should understand the will of God and pray accordingly, not understand the will of our emotions in their roller coaster and praying according to those. But we need to submit those emotions to God and pray according to the will of God. And we need to let our loving and sovereign Lord do all that He pleases to do for his children that he loves so much. We need to pray according to the will of God. What is it that he wants to do? And then we pray that. And we need to let our loving and sovereign God give us the things that we pray for. Y'all, we get to verse 7. God sends an angel. Y'all, Peter's Way down there, isn't it? I got to tell you, don't matter how far down that pit you are, God can go there. Isn't that right? Doesn't matter how far in there. Sometimes we go down there ourselves because we're stupid, right? We go down there ourselves because we don't trust God. And God, out of His love for us, He goes there and pulls us out. Then other times we're like Peter and we're taken to that really deep, dark place through no fault of our own, right? God can send His angels to rescue you. Now, what is an angel? What is the purpose of an angel? Hebrews 1.14 is the best answer to that question I can find in the Bible. It says that angels serve as ministering spirits for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Hebrews 1.14 Angels are sent by God to serve those who will receive the salvation of God. And that's not just us who, before we get saved, but that's us you know, after we get saved, and our salvation is not complete yet. That will happen in the future. So this angel shows up, and he shows the light of God in the darkest of places. If you've got a dark place right now, what you need to pray in a little bit when we pray is that God will show up in that darkest place. So this angel in verses 7 through 10, he wakes Peter up. The chains fall off of his hands. How many of y'all know God sets people free? Peter couldn't free himself, but God did. The angel told him to get dressed. The angel told him to follow him. And the angel led Peter out past the other guards. And then all of a sudden, that big iron gate just swings right open. Some of y'all know I got a new job. We got a big iron gate. And we open it regularly, and we close it regularly. We open it, we close it. Y'all, that thing ain't easy to move. It weighs at least three or four times as much as I do. But it's got hinges, and we got WD-40, and, you know, it just swings back and forth, back and forth. It just swings open and shut back and forth. But God opened that iron gate. And at the end of verse 9, Peter thought he was seeing a vision. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. You all, I want you to know that God is answering our prayers before we even realize it. There are things that you all have been praying in here, and God's already getting the work done. And there's no way you can see it happening. And he's saying, just a little bit more time, and I'm going to get it just right. And I'm going to get it just right for your good and for my glory, is what our God says. Because he works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And he does it for his own glory. So the angel, God sent the angel to do all these things. But listen, you all, Peter had a part to play too, didn't he? what would happen if he wouldn't have put his clothes on and followed the angel? If you want God to answer your prayers, you all, you need to do what he says. If you're here and you're like half-heartedly walking in obedience and love to God, then I'm going to tell you, there's blessings you're going to miss out on. And while us living the right life does not earn the grace of God, us living a right life does put us in a position where we can see the grace of God and where we can receive what God has to give. On Christmas morning, if my kids go hang out at your house, they're not going to get as many gifts because they're in the wrong place, right? Because their gifts are at my house. And when we're walking in half-hearted obedience and love to God, we're missing out on the blessings of our Father because we're not in the right place. Some of you are far from the Lord, and you need to come and run to Jesus, and you need to come to run to Jesus right now, knowing He will receive you as you are, and He loves you enough not to let you stay there, church. So, if you're unwilling to obey God, do not expect the blessing of God. It is easy for us to pray for things, and God is telling us what to do to line up the delivery of what we're asking. But we aren't doing what he says. Look at verse 7. The chains fell off, right? Y'all, God takes our chains off and we're free. But sometimes we're too lazy to run with him when he says, run with me. God is telling you to get prepared for the journey, just like the angel told Peter. But we might be full of excuses. But this, but that, what about this, what about that? But I'm not like so-and-so, or I've never done that before, or I don't have enough money for this, or I don't have enough time for this, or... Or you don't know how much I've got in this. Y'all, we got all kinds of good excuses to not follow our God. And that is half hearted obedience and repentance is needed. You all, all things are possible for God. He is pouring out His blessing, His freedom, and His gifts on us. Will we do our part? and take hold of God, and go wherever He wants us to go. We get to verse 11. Peter realizes that God has rescued him. He rescued him from the hand of Herod, and from all the Jewish people were expecting. I've already mentioned that powerful people and powerful groups got upset. God wants us to pray prayers that will upset our ungodly neighbors, you all. When we pray, God can overturn the plans of the powerful and the mob. And this, indeed, is what we are doing in our nation right now. God's people are praying. We prayed for many, many years that Roe v. Wade would be overturned. It was. And we are praying That the laws of our land would provide equal protection from the point of fertilization to natural death. There's going to be a lot of people that don't like us when that happens. We're going to pray prayers that they don't like anyway, because our God wants us to take that beast down in his name. Is he going to take it down? Yes, he is. But he's going to do it in and through us. We're going to take the beast down in the name of Jesus. And the enemies of God and the nations will rage. We'll look more next week at the nations raging. As we pray God's kingdom come, as we pray his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God will extend his rule and his reign throughout the earth. You know, I already said all this. I get ahead of myself sometimes. Look at verse 12. What happens after the deliverance? When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered and together were praying. Y'all, there's something to be said for organizing a prayer meeting that your elders don't call for. I haven't talked to Joe about this. I'm pretty sure he feels the same way. Y'all can organize a prayer meeting without our permission. (laughs) We'd be quite okay with that. You all can lead each other in prayer. When you bump into each other at Dollar General, you can stop right there and pray. It doesn't matter who's looking at you. It doesn't matter. When you get to church a few minutes early... When you're standing in line, well, don't do it if you're standing in line. When you're at the table, when you're leaving church, stop and pray. If you know someone has a need, say, can I pray for you? And it might not be the best time to pray some 15-minute prayer. A 30-second prayer might be more appropriate. Do that. Do that. You all, they were surprised that Peter showed up. My assumption when I first read this was that they had lacked faith. Like, shame on them. They were asking God to deliver him, and then when he did, they didn't believe it. But the Bible doesn't ever say that they were asking God to deliver him. It could have. They could have. certainly could have been. Voice of the Martyrs, it's a publication that tells stories from the persecuted church. They ran a a thing many years ago. And they showed what the number one prayer is of the persecuted church. We would assume, many of us would naturally assume, that they want to get out of the persecution. And while they certainly do, and while they do pray that at times, they say that their number one prayer is that they would be faithful until the end. Might the church have been praying that that Peter would be faithful to the end and not deny his Savior? Because he had been known to do that, right? What if they were... Well, well, the voice of the martyrs said the second biggest thing that people pray when they're being persecuted for their faith is they pray for the salvation and transformation of the one who is persecuting them. And they pray those two things before they pray that they would be released. They understand that suffering is a part of our calling. We get to verses 18 and 19. There's quite the uproar. Herod learned that Peter was gone. The guards were murdered. Y'all, isn't that what a tyrant does? As soon as a tyrant doesn't get what he wants, he does horrible things. He exposes himself, right? Through things that cannot be denied. Those guards probably had families. All right, so you just took the breadwinner, you just took the dad, you just took the husband, and they're gone. So all of a sudden, the work of the tyrant reverberates throughout the community. You all, when tyrants are trying to lead, I'm going to get ahead of myself, we're going here next week. When tyrants are trying to lead, you push back at them. Let them expose themselves so that all can see their tyranny. Do not cower to their demands, but because we love our neighbor and because we work to stop oppression, because we love God, we say no to people when they try to take advantage of others and we interpose against them. Tyrants do horrible things when they don't get what they want. There is little to no justice in in this story and they do horrible things because they don't get what they want. Y'all, a tyrant often thinks that he is God, that his word, his law is supreme, and they often have no accountability. But as we're going to see next week, God is going to show that that is certainly not the case. You all, we must pray. We must pray well. We must pray earnestly. Last week... We learned that earnest prayer was the opposite of sleepy prayer. Last week we saw in Colossians 4.2 that we are to be steadfast in prayer. You know, my younger ones weren't here today. But usually by the time I'm 40 or 50% through with my plate of food, one of th- three people will come up to me and want some more. You all, my kids are steadfast in eating the delicious food you prepare. And I think most of us are steadfast in this, right? But they're going to. Daddy, can I get some more? And I want some of this, and I want some of that, and I want some of this, but I don't want some of that. They know what they want and they're going to their father or their mom, and they're asking for it. Sometimes I send them to their mom. (laughs) Y'all, that's an example of steadfastness. I want it, and I'm going to ask for it over and over and over again. Last week, we also learned, Ephesians 6.18, we are to keep alert with all perseverance, praying for our brothers and sisters. So I want to ask you, I know you pray spontaneously. I think, no doubt in my mind that we all do that in here. We pray when we need to, right? I want to ask you, and I recognize that my systems for prayer won't work for everybody in here. I want to ask you, what routine or plan do you have built into your life and into the life of your family to pray regularly and often? I offer this prayer guide to you because it's just easy. You put a bunch of stuff on there. I don't use that thing every day, I confess. And you know what? Jesus will still love you too if you don't use that thing every day, won't he? It's it's just a tool. There's things. I, I have used my prayer guides, and every week I'm like, you know what? I'm really glad I wrote that down because I wouldn't pray for that again. Who's prayed for the installation of the Safe Haven Baby Box in the last week? You all have to raise your hand, but thank you, for those of you who have prayed. Yeah, That's a big project God has called us to, and there's currently a stumbling block in the way, or a, a, a boulder in the way. We're just asking God to chip away at that thing, or just stick a piece of dynamite in it. Can we, can we pray for that more regularly? And can we pray that there would be, or, or can we plan and prepare for that in some way? Puritan pastor Richard Sibbs, back in the 1600s, actually late 1500s, he wrote this and bow season came in yesterday, y'all. When we shoot an arrow we look to the fall of it. When we send a ship to sea, we look for the return of it. My dad's wife is driving to Florida today and he's really looking forward to her getting back. When we sow seed, we look for a harvest, right? And so when we sow our prayers into the heart of God, shall we not look for an answer? We shall! In church, we must. We absolutely must. So with all that being said, let's pray. If you're going to use your prayer God, grab that. And if you plan to use it regularly, if that's going to be part of your system, try to bring it with you each Sunday. And I'll try to always have a few extra on the table out there. But let us pray. And let's just turn to God in the middle of all this. Let's have a time of silence. And let's just talk to God right where we are, for all the things that we need to pray for. Let's do that now. We'll do this for about a minute.